Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us, too. We are on your mobile or your computer. Just go on over to supertalktv.com. And today we're going to cover a tough topic that I think has touched all families in Mississippi, and that's the topic of cancer. Nobody wants to hear it's cancer, but sadly, so many of us have walked that journey, either personally or with a family member. But like all hard things, there is hope. And so this weekend, there is 20 years of hope lighting the way to cancer survivorship. It's happening right here in the central area. And joining us is the founder of the conference, Ms. Susan Mason, and well with Devin Mosley. So welcome, ladies, both survivors yourself, correct? We are. Exactly. All righty. Well, okay. So I know this, Susan, is your heart and soul, your baby of a conference 20 years ago. Take us back 20 years ago. What was happening in your life that you thought something like this needed to to be offered? Right. Well, I had had the privilege of going to MD Anderson for one of their patient support group conferences. And it was so enlightening, so encouraging, and such a positive spark in a very dim time after my cancer diagnosis with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma as a 39-year-old mom with two young kids. And so after I came back from that conference, I thought, well, why doesn't the Jackson area have something uh, to encourage and give hope to patients? In this area, we have so many hospitals and doctors and uh, clinics. Why don't we have something? And I didn't realize at the time how very competitive and political medicine can be. Uh, but we, lo and behold, uh, got together a coalition that included the American Cancer Society, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, American Lung Association, uh, the doctors, um, cancer oncologists in this area. And we said, yes, we can do this. We've got to do this. So um, healthcare professionals came together to really put this on for uh, the patients in this area and give them something to look forward to. Uh, it's educational. It's uh, inspiring. And, um, you know, you can bring joy to people when you give them hope. And that's what we've been doing for 20 years. You know, it's, it's joy is a hard thing to think about when you hear the word cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Normally it's exactly. hashtag cancer sucks, which it still does. But there can be joy in the process and there can be joy for those who hear the wonderful words of you're in remission or, you know, one step in front of the other. And I know, Devin, you too have a personal story of, of cancer, six year survivor. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So share a little bit about your story. 
Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 37, so kind of similar age-wise with Susan. Um, I had a third grader and a fifth grader at the time, and it, we had just walked my mother through her cancer diagnosis. So, um, you know, it was it was a lot, but um, when you just said the key words of day by day, that was probably the best advice I ever received in the whole during the whole um, time. But you don't look forward. You don't think, oh, goodness, what's six months from now going to look like? What's a year? What is this afternoon going to be? What is tomorrow morning? What is tomorrow afternoon? And I'm going to do right now what I can do with the information I have right now, with the truth I know. So, um, And that allowed my family to continue to prosper and to still have joyous times in the middle of uncertainty and chaos. You mentioned information that you have and information you have now. I would feel like, you know, anyone who has walked through that, the moment you hear it or you hear it about a family member, you go straight, most go straight into like, okay, tell me everything I need to know. What are my options? All the sort of, you know, forecasting sort of things. And you try to become, you know, decipher an encyclopedia and try to become, you know, an oncologist overnight. And you can't, you can't sort of do that. So I feel like, your 20 years of hope also help you push the brakes and sort of get the information that's important for you now because you don't need to know everything in the beginning. Exactly. And our conference, which is this Saturday uh, at 830 to 1, it's free uh, to anyone who would like to come. We also give continuing education for social workers. But what we do is provide information for those who are newly diagnosed as well as the long-term Survivor and everything in between. We have uh, an amazing counselor coming this year, Carla Hardin from Fairhope, Alabama, and her specialty is trauma and dealing with trauma emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically, and how you work through the trauma of a cancer diagnosis. So we have some excellent experts. In fact, our first session is called the Experts panel um, because we have five area experts that will speak on a different area and it will resonate with different survivors for different reasons but you pick up what you can when you need it like Devin said and that will help you in, in your journey and what you need Devin, you mentioned you've walked the road of cancer with your mother, and then you walked it as the individual, you know, living with it. What are the, in terms of, I guess, not needs, they're both the same, but in terms of information or hope of encouragement, because you you walked it with your mom first, how is it different being the caregiver versus the patient? You have a unique perspective. Um, And I'm a nurse by background, too, so that impacted how I helped my mother and took care of her. It's harder to watch someone you love go through this than it is on your own. You know what you can shoulder. You can be tough. You can be brave. But you don't want to require anybody else to have to do that. And so it's just hard watching. Um, But I think support-wise, just being available, like for others, and um, just knowing you can talk to somebody or – for both the survivor and the caretaker and just um, somebody doing nice things for you. If you're a patient, if they bring you flowers or um, lotion or lipstick or or just a sweet text or card. And really all of those things go for the caregiver as well as I stop and think about it. Um, but just when you know a family or a, um, whoever's going through something hard like this, Open your eyes and think, what can I do? I used to say, you know, 
I'm having chemo, but our, our grass is still growing. Somebody want to mow the grass? <laughs> I mean, I, you don't ask that, but it's kind of a joke. But, hey, people think I'm not good at helping. Right. But they are. Everybody can do something. And I think it's, you know, it, you're there's two types of folks. You either lean into it and you know exactly what to do. And I would say if you are that person, then rally the troops and organize it. And then if you're one that sort of leans back, then don't be shy. Try to find someone who, you know, can and just get in where where you sort of fit in. And then, two, always just the the thought of, of pr- prayers mm-hmm. or just acknowledgement that you're still on someone's mind, I think, goes a long way, too, because, I mean, with if you're thinking like a, a church the size of, of you know First Baptist uh, Jackson or some of the others, you, you know if you felt like you had to physically touch the lives of everyone that's going through something hard, that gets overwhelming, right? right. But but you can still be a part of the of the bigger pie that's sort of um, they're supporting because one day it may be your turn, right, right Susan? A- absolutely, uh, it's. Um it sounds just common sense. If you see a need, then just try to meet it. You don't have to meet every need that you hear about. But just when something is in front of you this day, then do that. Uh, just open your heart to see what is right in front of you and reach out to someone in need. Um, there's so many, like Devin said, small things mm-hmm. that you can do. And uh, just a, a kind smile. Um or, or sweet note. All those things are very important. And uh, we talk a lot at the conference about what is available. What is a support group? What, who do you need around you? What do you need around you? Uh, to have a, um, a more positive outcome and to really improve your quality of life because that's a lot of what it's about. You may not be able to control the quantity of your life, but you can certainly control the quality of your life and what you're doing to make it better. And uh, so a lot of practical, helpful hints that we give at the HOPE conference. And one of the favorite ones in the most personal session we do is with the uh, what we call Survivor Spotlight. We have uh, several survivors there and they introduce themselves talk about themselves and then they're going to break into smaller groups with people with their same diagnosis and be able to sit and have more of a support group roundtable discussion about okay this is the nitty-gritty of it what do i need what helped you what might help me and um so we have that that will happen saturday too so it's a, a real positive Way to reach people, and, and to this give is them all free, something. which I think it's is wonderful. So, yes. where do where do where do listeners go to sign up? Uh, they can go to www.hopeconferencejackson.com to register, and uh, it is at First Baptist Jackson, eight thirty Saturday, March the fourth. And we take res- registrations that morning as well. Yes, you can walk in. Alrighty, well. and we're showing it live streaming. So, if you're not well enough to come. You can still register and watch it on live stream. Well, I hope you're back for another for 40 years of hope. Thank you. I think that's wonderful. All right, you guys stick with us. We got some more good things for you coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Wow! I feel good. 
can watch good things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, even YouTube. You can now watch good things live on Seaspire TV. If you got that, you can find it on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel, which here in the central area is nice, sunny, and beautiful weather although we're in mississippi so that could change at any given time but i just feel like spring is just trying its best to come on in and you're starting to see that little bit of dusting of the yellowness around a town and you go okay it's coming it's coming quick fast in a hurry be careful what you wish for because uh yeah, before you we'll know be it. We'll be sweating before we we'll know it. We'll be sweating before we know it and complaining about that. But also, you can't wish for t- tickets for Morgan Wallen. You actually get out and register to win them because I think it is a sold out, so, a sold out show. But he is coming to Oxford. That's in April. And we're giving you a chance to get two sweet seat tickets for the Sunday, April the 23rd show there at Vault Hemingway Stadium. You can go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan. You can find a full list of registration locations, but they're all over the place. For example, you can register to win by going to Little Caesars Pizza in Brookhaven, Southern Business Supply in Meridian, or at Tack of the Town in Hazelhurst. And again, there are so many more. This fun opportunity is brought to you by First South Credit, First South Farm Credit, Kingstarter Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. And I think the drawing or however they're going to do it, well, it's coming up quick at the beginning of April. So only a few more days to get out and put your registration in. Like, why not? If you're available that day, go on and just see if you're lucky enough to to get it done. I hope you've gone over to the Good Things Facebook group. Rhino, who doesn't post often, but when he does, he hits it out of the park, posted something that's got folks a lots of laughs. And just think back to the first time maybe you enjoyed Bit the combination of biscuits and gravy and what that was like for you. Now imagine it being a delight that you traveled far, far away for. Okay, set the stage. What's going on here? So this is kind of a follow-up on a story I've been following for about a month or so now. Mm-hmm. But there were these two British guys. They worked for a company called Jolly, which just sounds British. <laughs> but they, they made a trip over to America and they came to the south, although they didn't quite make it all the way to the Magnolia State. I want to say they stayed in the, the Georgia, South Carolina region, but it's still the south. There aren't too many differences in cuisine from Mississippi to Georgia. And the, diff- the, the few differences there are, you're just getting, they, can, they can be argued yeah. and nitpicked. But biscuits and gravy, sweet tea, fried foods, those kind of things, they're all encompassing in the South. Yes, correct. Well, these two British guys, they're in their late 20s, early 30s. They came over to America and they tried different Southern cuisines like shrimp and grits and different rich pies and desserts and, of course, sweet tea and biscuits and gravy. Well, they finished their trip across the southern United States and decided they were going to go back across the pond to England and share the wealth. So they they found this group of students from a local, I think it's a high school in their area, and they got in touch with a chef in England who's actually from the south to recreate what they say, had. You couldn't just give. Yeah, you couldn't just go to the store and buy a can of sausage gravy off the shelf or something no. and hope for the best. So they got an actual chef to make Southern-style biscuits and gravy and sweet tea and fried chicken. And they presented it to these high school kids from Britain in in kind of a series. They, they start off with just a plate of biscuits. 
and the kids are looking at it going, what is it? It looks kind of like a scone. What do they call these? These aren't biscuits. Biscuits in, in England, biscuits are the little right. thin cookie things, whereas over here, biscuits are biscuits. Well, they start off, and they have that, and they like the biscuit by themselves, and the two British guys that brought it to them are like, well, usually Americans don't just eat the biscuit by itself. No, that's boring. They add something to it. Saturated fat. So they pull out this pitcher full of sausage gravy, and immediately all the kids are going, that doesn't look uh, like gravy. Yeah. Because in England, gravy's usually like gravy, the, gravy. The brown, thin, soupy mm-hmm. beef gravy kind of thing. And they pour it over the biscuits, and the kids are really kind of put off by it. Like a couple of the kids are even going, this looks like vomit. I don't know if I can eat it. Until they take the fork cut off a bite and put it in their mouth and every single one of them's eyes just light up like oh my goodness this is amazing amazing. we're moving to america so they they go through the whole process of trying to describe it with their fun british isms and they throw in some fried chicken in there that goes well with it they pull out a, a glass of sweet tea for each of them and you know Brits love their tea. But they don't sweeten it. They don't have or sweet cold. tea and they don't have it iced tea. Right. They're used to hot, right. bitter tea. With milk. Right. Sometimes. So Ugh. they get a hold of a glass of iced sweet tea and it's a game changer. They're looking at it going, that looks kind of like a Coke. And they take a sip and they go, oh, that's the business right there. Yeah, it's funny. And you can go and watch it if you're on the Book of Faces. Just find Good Things with Rebecca Turner to pop up. Click to join. We'll let you in. You can have a good smile for the day. But I was trying to think what would be like if they were to come over here with that same kind of pride and bring a dish, what would rival or compare to in terms of, I don't know, all the sensations, all the flavors, all the things that fried chicken biscuits and gravy and sweet tea could offer them from here like i i mean i don't know their cuisine well enough but i would imagine it would be a a cultural moment if you could get a group of brits and a group of southerners (laughs) together at either end of the table and the brits presented fish and chips done the proper way with the flaky breading and the the malt vinegar and the big potato log kind of steak fries chips as they call them and guinness and of course a guinness right but they're well, high school kids right but they're high school kids so they, they might have <laughs> to have their parents bring the guinness for them but you have that versus fried catfish and hush puppies and coleslaw and a glass of sweet tea i think that would that be the co-mingling two. of cultures would be the best starting point mike from grand bed said haggies Haggis. Haggis. What is that? That is uh, sheep stomach stuffed with a whole bunch of other stuff and spices, and it's a uh, delicacy, kind of, in Scotland, which is the northernmost part of the British Isles. Well, I'm not going to knock anything somebody grew up enjoying, right? Like, because a lot of us, you know, at least Southern Creole, we, we eat boudin, we eat some other things that normal normal folks probably wouldn't have enjoyed if you didn't know. You know, that's why you should never ask how the sausage is made. Let me just sort of put it you know, out to you that way. And if it is your cultural cuisine, then it's your cultural cuisine. But it's neat to to see it and for to watch the reaction the same as you know so many times probably your first reaction when you ate into something we just were probably introduced to it as so normal i mean most of us here in the south if we're honest by the time we're a year old or at least a year and a half certainly by two years you've had a bite of biscuit and gravy in some capacity. I mean, one of your mamas went past what your mama probably wanted you to be fed and started spoon-feeding you biscuits and gravy or some kind of thing. So we grew up not 
recognizing that not everyone understands that wonderful combination of saturated fat and salt and carbohydrates and, and what it can do for for a soul. Really? It was kind of interesting watching the video. I, I think it was one of the guys that was right at when he was, he was eating the biscuits and gravy. He mentioned that it would go really well with something sweet, like jam. And that's when they got handed the sweet tea. So it's like, even though they grew up thousands of miles away, the brain still works the way we work. You get that nice buttery biscuit with the, the savory sausage gravy on top, and you just want something a little sweet. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's why so many foods are engineered to be exactly what we want. But we just sort of figured it out in the South long before we had, you know, any idea of taste buds and flavor profiles and all of that. We just knew how to make a little go far and taste delicious. And then the most basic things, what flour and a little remnants of the sausage and you know whatever can whoop up some delicious topping to. Just some fluffy biscuits. They kept comparing it to one of their British breakfast staples of beans on toast. Stop. But even the the British <clears throat> high schoolers had to admit that biscuits and gravy was a lot more flavorful than beans on toast. Because you got the flavor of the biscuit. You've got the gravy itself. you got the little bits of sausage. You have this whole cornucopia of flavors there versus beans on toast. You just basically had the flavor of beans. Is biscuits a very American thing? The way we or consider South? biscuits, yeah. Because oh, I mean, I know because they have the their crunchy or their. Uh, yeah, if you go to a coffee shop and you see the little waffle, the little funky looking thing that you're supposed to put over your hot cup of coffee and it kind of softens up, that's closer to a biscuit than our biscuits for England people. So trivia: What Mississippi town is considered the biscuit capital of the world? It's in the southwest. I don't know my geographic locations, but it's Natchez. Oh, is that right? Is that yes. southwest? <laughs> I just knew it was Natchez. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you were quizzing me or quizzing the text line. So oh, I don't away. know. Yes. No, it's Natchez. is considered the biscuit capital of uh, of the world for good reason now. We, we know that. All right. Stick with us. we got some more fun for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Super Talk Mississippi News this week in Mississippi Newsletter. You'll get the news stories you need to know from the most powerful name in Mississippi News, and it's delivered straight to your email inbox. All you got to do is sign up at supertalk.fm slash newsletter, and don't forget, it is free. And joining us now on Good Things to talk about sharing some love in Meridian, Mississippi, is Miss Lita. Hey, Miss Lita. 
Hello, Rebecca. How are you today? I am doing well, and I'm excited about all the wonderful organizations coming together to share some love in the Meridian area. So what's behind this? Well, it is uh, both a desire to pull lots of nonprofits together to to raise money and uh, save the planet at the same time. So we love it when a collaboration comes together. Well, and y'all have got a big audacious goal of 100,000 pairs of shoes. That's no small feat. <laughs> See what I did there? And that's <laughs> uh, so let's talk about how you landed on shoes and what's and the large number. Well, it is uh it is a a goal because we get paid per pound of shoes. So you got to have a lot of shoes. Uh so so there was had to be a big number, but it is also because We uh, have a fantastic new company in Mississippi and right here in Meridian with Shaloop. And so it is the first of its kind in the country, um, an all-recycled product um, being produced um, in our shoe company. It's called the Shaloop or Shaloopit. And so, you know, it was a perfect opportunity to kind of bring awareness to some of the great things that are happening in Mississippi. And uh, as the leader of a nonprofit uh, for dyslexia, and, and I love creative spirits and creative minds, and I was like, you know, we can pull a whole bunch of us together. It's going to take a lot of manpower, so we need a lot of volunteer hours to sort these shoes out and send them to where they need to go. And, you know, it sounded like a, a really great uh, way to to pull it all together. So so the way it works is uh, people give their shoes. That's that's really it is. And, you know, to raise money, all you have to do is clean your closet out. So either way, okay, so not the sh- or maybe the shoes off your feet if that's if that's what you want to do, but you're encouraging folks to go into their closets and their kids' closets, their husband, their spouse's closets out by in front of the, you know, the back door, front door, wherever it may be, and find those shoes that are no longer being used or no longer can be used. Are you looking for like gently worn or any shoe that's ready to go on to its next life? Absolutely. So there's a, a twofold method here. So some of them will have a new life in a, in a third world country um, with our partner funds to org. That's the pay per pound of shoes. And then some of them that are have lived their good life will be uh, shredded with sloop and turned into new shoes um, and, a, and a second life therein. So we're trying to keep shoes out of the landfill. So if you've got that one shoe and you don't know what happened to the other shoe it, it just disappeared we'll take that one too um because it's going to get shredded and and some of them are are too good to send overseas and too good to shred and we'll be reselling those with hope village for children because again it is a collaboration of seven nonprofits, all focused on youth and and doing good for our kids um and it'll be our kids that'll be sorting these shoes and saying these get sold these get shipped these get shredded so it's going to be a fun month of March as we put our foot in it and get these shoes out of closets and into their second life. I like what you did there, Lita. Now, where do we take our shoes? Where do we go? Where do we drop them off? Or if we want to, I guess, mail them or bring them to Meridian, Where? what What do we do? How do we get there? All right. So the first, all seven nonprofits have 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 places for you to drop them off. So Illumination Center for Dyslexia, the Mississippi Children's Museum Meridian, the MCC uh, Early Education Program, the Pine Lake Fellowship Camp, um, Trail Life USA at uh, Highland Baptist Church. 
Care Lodge and Hope Village for Children. So all of those places have places that you can drop off. But all of our businesses that are supporting us will have boxes in and around Meridian. Um, you can listen on Super Talk, and you'll be hearing all of those businesses who are nice sponsors of this project say, hey, you can drop them off at our location. Um, so we will have boxes around town, and um, you can just look for them. It's the Share the Love, Share the Shoes project. So we hope to do this every year. Um, so you can start saving up those shoes every year and every spring, clean out those closets, drop off those shoes, and, and we'll keep them out of the landfill. I like this idea. Why not give them a second life? Why not support a new business, too, here in Mississippi called Schloop? Schloop, am I saying that right? Schloop? I like it. (laughs) And so do do they make shoes that are, like, for sale, or are they just making, like, the recyclable components to then make shoes? I I missed that part, Lita. Uh, Well, it is is opening in April. They do both. Um, One of the things is this is the second one of their organizations. So their first... Um, brand was Algix, and so Algix turns our algae um, into uh, beads. Um, so one of the reasons they located in Meridian was because of the prevalence of catfish ponds and therefore algae. <laughs> and so they turn algae into a 3D fiber um, that then became soles for our tennis shoes. And so this is the second uh, phase of that creative brain of the Ryan and Rachel Hunt duo. Um, and now we have these recycled shoes that have the foam um, soles and they have insoles that are made out of all kinds of things. They even take uh, leather from Wilson footballs and um, make it into new leather tops for shoes. They're going to, it's, we will have shoes all around the country coming out of Shalhoub, but it is still in its beginning phases. So one, it's to get the word out. Two, it's to support new businesses and creativity. And three, and most importantly, it is to tell the youth of our community that there's a lot of people that care about them and are willing to raise money for them and the projects that we have going on here. Absolutely. And you have that big goal of 100,000 pairs of shoes over the month of March, which is crazy to think March is this week. Like we are we are headed into another month and you will have drop off locations all month. Correct, Lita? That is right. So we will be working to get those shoes into uh, all these businesses and sort them out and ship them to wherever they need to go. But, yes, so get those shoes out of your closets, get them to a box in in one of the businesses that you support, and and we will meet our goal. All right, and just to make sure, it's like boots, flip-flops, tennis shoes, high heels, sneakers, slides. The only thing I don't think we can take is ice skates. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I not, mean, I'm not saying there's not any in Mississippi, but there's probably not a ton just lying around in someone's closet in, in the Great Magnolia State. But you never know. But you never know. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that ice skates are, are not going to be have a, a whole hell, heck of a lot life after after here in the Magnolia State. I'm not sure that they, they have a whole lot of purpose in our third world countries either. So uh, probably not those. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take anything else. Anything else. Okay. Well, I love that. Everyone's got their homework to do. Clean out their shoes. Make sure, you know, we help you reach your 100,000 goal. You'll have to let us know, Lita, if you guys make right. it by the end of the, by the end of the month. All right. Thank you, Rebecca, for having us on and, and telling everybody to get those shoes out of the closet. I will do so. Thank you so much. Pretty cool. You know, she, she kind of threw me off, Ronnie, when talking about, we think about socks that lose their pair or lose their partner mysteriously, but we all have had or have a pair of shoes that it's like you just can't find 
the other one and you don't really know why or where it happened. And then there's that whole conversation about the one lonely flip-flop that always seems to find its way into the grocery store parking lot or on the side of the road. And you stop and you ask yourself, like, huh, I wonder what life choices were made for this particular scenario to to end up like this. These but things usually come in twos. <laughs> usually come in twos. I would say nine times out of ten, that is... It fell out like if it was in the back floorboard. I don't know if your kids are like mine, but they hop in the car, they take off their shoes, their whole shoe closet is really right where they sit in the vehicle. And so if, if you're wrestling with something, one one sort of uh, one falls out. I don't know, though, if I've ever just completely lost one of a pair of, sho- a pair of shoes. I, I have tried, misplaced, tried, misplaced one of a pair but, of yeah. shoes, but it usually wound up rearing its ugly head the second I actually did some cleaning, mm-hmm. like deep how. cleaning, like when you get under the bed to get the dust bunnies out, and it's like, oh, that one random shoe is just up against the wall all the way back on the bed. I I think, though, we all probably have a pair or two that we could probably pay forward. I think it's neat. I'm going to need to learn more about shloop. How cool is that? that shloop. That our algae made from our, you know, farm-raised catfish here in Mississippi could then go to provide. People are just really smart when they put their minds to it to innovate things and to use what's already here to create something out of something that would have just been trash or just, I don't know, go back not useful. Then, you know, it's. I mean, think about the uh, the inserts you have in some packaging where it's that that really light, almost foam material that they use that they can conform to whatever they're packing so that mm-hmm. it stays nice and tight in the in the box. You got some companies around the world, I think some of them actually here in America, that are working on using mushrooms for that. Where they just grow the mushroom into the shape you need, cut it off, grow another one. Fascinating. All right, stick with us, we got more for you up next. And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. You can listen to us. We're streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Supertalk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you get great headlines like this. I just saw it, Rhino. A Brookhaven woman walks into, we were talking about Natchez, walks into a Natchez casino. She placed a $3.75% wager and turned it into $1,111,759.20. She was playing the slots, and she hit. I was about to say, that's, that's either a big jackpot on a slot machine, or that was a... 
multi-leg parlay because to get those kind of odds it's wild mm-hmm. so they have and this was at the magnolia bluffs casino hotel and they have 50 50 500 i can't get my numbers right because i there's just too many numbers there that she won 500 slot machines 11 table games a poker room sports book restaurant bar all the things so still you don't hear of many million dollar winners off of slot machines yeah it's not like vegas vacation where uh Chevy Chase's son, was it Randy? Rust, Rusty. Where Rusty gets the the fake ID and goes in all the casinos up, put in a dollar, win a car. Put in a dollar, win a car. Put in a dollar, win a it car. It doesn't work that way. No. No, not at all. Not a big gambler. But I might would have wagered $3.75 if I knew that my options were potentially a million plus dollars hey i know folks who though that they just thoroughly enjoy slot machines it's a place of zen they do it responsibly they look forward to going down catching a show eating a good meal they'll take their 50 bucks 100 bucks whatever it is they want to you know sort of sit and sort of do and play and i've watched friends win not that but double tripled whatever their money on like the penny slots or the whatever it may be oh yeah understanding the game and waiting it out and enjoying yourself and i ain't got time for that but i'm so glad for those that that enjoy it that's what it's there for i mean i haven't played slots in any form or fashion in a long time but when i did play i would play the penny slots and even the penny slots they're they're more like a video game than even what you saw in vegas vacation or what you would think stereotypically with the little wheels spinning and you're trying to get sevens or crowns or cherries or whatever no, you're you're trying to get the bonus round where it plays a video based on the theme of the machine you're sitting at, and if you it's get the video to unlock, then you get more plays. It's like a video game with money involved. My daddy has uh, a 1950 slot machine, and it's a nickel slot, and it's got the seven, and the jackpot is a whopping twenty dollars. So there you go. You know, and we have had it for as long as I've been alive, so forty plus years now, and I swear, I have so many great aunties family members whatever it may be we have pulled that thing played all hoots and hollers whatever it may be nobody has ever hit the 20 dollar jackpot really yeah and so you can flip it around we flipped around the back we we cuss him and tell him that you know he's um he's got it pinned or pegged or whatever it may be i mean you rigged it you rigged it or, or whatever but of all these years of all the pools of all the potential chances to his knowledge, as long as he's had it and his daddy passed it down to him, it's never hit the twenty dollar the twenty dollar jackpot. And so, you know, I don't know. We've won five or one or you know or whatever it may be. But twenty dollars in nickels, man, that's a lot of nickels coming out of the little bitty the the little bitty slot. But and even back then, when you pull it, you hear it has like the whole sort of thing now. Yeah, it was fully mechanical at that point in time. That was long before they had digitized everything. Oh, absolutely! No, yeah, this is an old like you have to, you have to pull and work for it, and uh, you're not just tapping buttons. No, you're not. No, and it's not the whole lights and frills and and sort of uh, of all the things. No. Oh, I'm sure if you dug down in there, it's got a little dinger. That's about the only thing it would have to let you know. Hmm. Little bell. All I know is. You know what we should do, though? We need to go back and look at the dates on all the quarters because this, I mean, not the quarters, the nickels, because the same nickels that come out have gone back in since I was a kid. I mean, 
nobody's putting new nickels in there. Everybody's went and they have like we have like the little cup that sits next to it because it's just for fun, you know. And uh, and yeah, but twenty dollars versus a million dollars. We've come a long way in gambling in the last fifty plus years when gambling moved from the back of the house to the front of the house. The grand I think prizes, inflation had a little bit to do with the that. The grand prizes got a little bit, got a little bit, uh, a little bit bigger. Hey, back when that slot machine was all the rage, you could go out and get a brand new car for, yeah, probably a thousand dollars, and it'd be a nice car. Still though, if I put three dollars and seventy five cents into a slot machine and won twenty bucks, I'm not mad at it, right? Like I'm not angry. Like yes, this paid for buffet for one or half of a buffet for one these days. So anyway, congratulations to her. She's our big winner for, for today. All right, stick with us. You got more coming up next. You got the boys with Sports Talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.